Welcome in to another World Cup edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I am Mackenzie Rivers. I had the under in the highest scoring game of the World Cup 2022 so far. Spain crushed my hopes, but you know, watching the game, I feel like I got a pretty good understanding of why I was wrong, which is you know better than not having that understanding. I am joined here by my host, my co-host Griffin Warner, who pushed on his bet. Germany, Japan under three, but um, outside of that bet, if you've been following him on Twitter, you know he's been having a profitable World Cup. How you doing, my man, Griffin? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, World Cup's been great. Um, college basketball has been killing me, but this is a soccer betting podcast, and uh, I'm really pumped with how it started so far. I feel like the, the the hasn't been too bad. I mean, I was on also on Costa Rica as well. That was not great. Um, but other than really, uh, I think the the match today with Portugal, besides that goal fest late, I think everything's gone pretty well for me so far. Um, and, and, you know, only really, I think we talked about this last, last podcast, but only really Senegal felt like a bad beat. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, just hoping it stays that way and I can avoid the, uh, the never-ending moose. I obviously had the under in the Spain-Costa Rica, and that was the wrong pick. However... Watching the game after they scored the first goal, where my handicap was, they're not going to have to. Spain is not going to risk their, um, not going to risk more than they need to. After they scored the first goal, I was able to see with my eyes. Okay, well, they got nothing to risk. Costa Rica is not going forward. They're going to be able to pepper Costa Rica as long as they want. So it's one of those games. I know it was seven zero. I'm not sure my handicap was that far off. Or if they didn't score that first goal in the eleventh minute. I think that game might go differently, but I mean, you had Kaylor Navas, the goalkeeper who we all trusted to be really good. He looked very rusty mm. slash maybe kind of old also letting in that second goal. And then Spain, I mean, when they're going to have that much of the ball, I guess they could do that to you. I just, I wouldn't expect that to happen very often. No. And look at this game of uh, Portugal, Ghana, where there were zero goals through 70 minutes and then mm. five goals in 15 minutes, as they say, Goals change games, change approaches, change tactics. So it is what it is. We got eight more games on the slate here. We're going to talk about Friday and Saturday games. We're going to get more leans, more likes, more best bets. So let's get into it. The first game on the Friday slate, Wales, with their kind of surprising, some would say draw against the USA. They're going to take on Iran. They're about a quarter goal favorite. What do you make of this matchup, (laughs) Wales-Iran? Uh, it actually wasn't a surprise this podcast as we both had that True. game pretty well, pretty well did. Thank um, you, sir. You with Wales is the best bet winner. I had under, which if you played two and a quarter, you want a little bit of a piece on that one. Um, and the nice part about these games is we get now or these matches to use the correct soccer parlance. I, I mean, we get to kind of see what happened in game one and see how that affects and impacts strategies. Um, I think it does significantly for Iran here because a draw really doesn't look good enough after they lost no. so so badly to to England. I mean, it's not dead if they're on one point, Wales are on two points, and the U.S. lose to England and are on one point themselves, but they got to see the U.S. as their toughest remaining game. Um, so I feel like they're going to be a little bit more open in this one trying to win, which changes the strategy of having 10 men behind the ball or really even all 11 if you co- include the goalkeeper. Um, I don't know if they can play that way against Wales. So this should be a lot more open of a game. I don't think the first match for Wales was a bad result for them, especially coming back from a deficit to uh, get a point. Um 
and maybe he was fortunate. I still don't know what Walker Zimmerman was doing with that tackle from behind, but uh, I guess say la vie. Um, from, from where I said this one, I mean, I look to dogs and unders at this point. That's what I've been kind of focusing on this, this tournament. Um, I'm worried about Iran because at first I thought if they had a decent result against England, they might play really defensively yet again. And that would make it really hard for Wales who don't have a lot of offense and really aren't used to having a lot of possession. Um, I think it's going to be a much more wide open game. So even that under two looks a lot worse to me than it did previously. Um, so I don't really know where to go in this one. I mean, initial leans and, and having no results behind me and based on strategies alone, I think I would have leaned to uh, Iran as a quarter goal underdog and that under two. Uh, but I'm a little stuck right now to to feel like recommending that's a good idea. Over under over two minus one twenty two. Under two plus one oh six. Wales, you mentioned before the tournament, are usually going to be a defensive counterattack type team. Iran's not really going to have that attack to counterattack off of. So I'm going to pass this game. I do feel like Wales scores. So maybe a Wales team total, if you see it, makes sense where Iran is going to have to push the game. Unlikely to, I mean, you lose the first game period, you're unlikely to advance. You lose it 6-2 and you have a negative four goal differential, you're unlikely to advance, especially when you're, you know, power rate is the worst team in your group. So they have one chance. They're going to have to pull an upset win to advance. And if not, probably not going to make it. So that would be my lean over in the game, Wales over, something like that. All right, let's look at the next game here. Qatar, several people in our World Cup contest picked Qatar because, hey, oops, rumorly, Rumor reportedly they had paid millions not to lose. Well, they did lose to Ecuador 2-0. Now a lot of people are picking Senegal. I think that's the most common pick in our World Cup Survivor Contest because Qatar looks like the worst team in the competition. They are currently about a three-quarters goal underdog, 0.75 goal underdog to Senegal, who is without their best player, Sadio Mane. What do you make of this matchup? Are Senegal deserved favorites despite the fact they're missing their best player? I was really impressed by the way Senegal played against uh, the Netherlands, honestly. Um, it didn't result really in goals, but they, and, and you could argue they were playing against a weaker uh, Dutch side, but um, thanks to injury. But I mean, Senegal also were missing their like talisman, best best player, game changer. And I thought they played a really great game. Um, really kind of made one mistake or, or had one great run by the Netherlands to take a lead. And then um, a awful bad goal at the 98th minute when they were pushing everybody forward. Um, it happens in this sport, but that was not fun to take. If, uh, if you had that plus three quarters on Senegal and ended up taking a full unit from me instead of just a half. It was like uh, the 108th minute, right? It was like, why are they still playing again? Yeah, uh, it was eight minutes uh, stoppage time. I think it was the 99th minute. So it was it was relatively close, but that was before we knew that stoppage time numbers in this tournament were going to be on steroids. So. Right. Um, that was not, not fun, especially cause it took 83 minutes for Netherlands to score and never looked like they would. Um, to me, that's a good sign for the Senegal defense. Um, but they're going to be out cause this is a game where they're going to get points. Um, and they're going to be racing for points. And I think honestly, they're in a good, good shape to, to do whatever they need to against Qatar. Cause I'm just not sure Qatar have, have any talent. They bought their way into this world cup and clearly didn't, wouldn't have qualified for it or, I mean, maybe they would have been in qualifying, but they didn't have to. Um, and that makes me think that they're kind of just a, a wounded duck in this tournament, um, ranked far below the rest of the challengers. And, and I feel like Senegal, we were thought 
were the best team in Africa that won the Africa Cup of Nations, and we expected them to be pretty good in this tournament. So I don't really see, and I don't have much interest getting on Qatar here because I feel like they are going to have to play differently than they wanted to, uh, similar to Iran, and have to go out and get a win here. Um, and that's going to put them in really dangerous situations against a, a still very good Senegal side that just is missing their best player. And we talked about it before the tournament. Generally, host nations do well their opening tournament, their opening game. If they're going to do well any game, they're going to do their opening game pretty well. So not since 2002 in Korea has a hosting nation lost their opening game. Qatar, add that name to the list. And Senegal... I feel like people react to the closing line. People are like, yeah, I knew the Netherlands are going to win. They're minus 300. I knew they were going to win. Nip and tuck through 85-plus minutes. So Senegal definitely impressive in their first game. Minus 152 on the money line. Or you do minus 1 plus 122, where if they win by a goal, you push. But if they win by more than one goal, you get a nice plus money payout. That's the way I would look in this particular matchup. Next up, Netherlands. Fresh off their win over Senegal, not by one, but by two goals, thanks to the additional extra time. They're favored by three quarters goals over also victorious Ecuador. What do you make of this matchup? Obviously, the winner of this game will be in pole position to take home the group. What do you make of this matchup? Um, So this is one of those where both teams got a good result in their first game. Uh, and I think that's going to put them in a situation where they don't have to change their strategies. They're going to go in and do what we expected. Things worked in, in the first matchup. And uh, Ecuador are going to want to sit back and counterattack. Netherlands are going to want to be on the front foot trying to score goals. Um, so I feel like I it pushes me towards my initial lean on Ecuador because they played the same style against pretty much all of South America. I think the Dutch are probably one of the best nations in the world, but um, I still have faith in them to play pretty well and make it hard on Netherlands to score, especially if the Netherlands use a lineup like they did against Senegal because it didn't really have a lot of threats in it, I got to say. Uh, it took them 83 minutes and a great uh, deep run to to score a goal. And, and you could probably argue that the Senegal keeper made a mistake um, or just not getting the ball, got beaten to it, which was um, their undoing and, and unfortunately deserved loss. If your goalkeeper is going to make mistakes like that. But um, Ecuador are going to protect their keeper quite a bit. Netherlands are likely going to push forward. Um, and I think that leaves them open for Ecuador to score. Now, I'm a little bit concerned about Enna Valencia and his injury status because he seemed like he limped off in the opener against Guitar. It's helpful that they had an extra day to rest compared to everyone else, which I think is also something we can't um, ignore. Um, so I lean to Ecuador currently, and I also feel like that under two and a half is, is worth looking, looking at as well. A lot of people have been talking about this has been a tournament of halves. Netherlands pretty sketchy in their first half against Senegal, but they turn it off when the second half by two. Just something to note. This one, re reason I bring that up is because no team had more disparate results than the United States of America in the first half in their first World Cup game and in their second half. They were obviously up 1-0 over Wales, and I was listening to the Herd FSR podcast or radio show, and they were saying the USA is dominating. They're dominating Wales, and as someone who bet Wales, I couldn't really disagree. I was pretty disappointed at that point. However, in the second half, Wales looked like the better team. They ended up getting the equalizer. The rest was history. So England is a goal favorite, minus 22 versus USA. And handicapping this game, that's the big game on Friday. It's really who is the USA team? Are they the team that looked like they dominated their European competition through 45 minutes to start that first game? 
Or are they a team with a bunch of inexperienced players, no real leader, Christian Pulisic, Erickson, who should start, who should come off the bench, not exactly unified in their direction they want to go? Who is the United States of America? That's the question you got to answer. When handicapping England, USA, I'll tip my hand here. I think the second half is more indicative of who the USA team is at this point in their development. But what do you make of this matchup, Griffin Warner? England, minus one, minus 120, hosting, not hosting, but they're in Qatar. You know what I mean? Yep. Facing the USA. What do you make of this one? Uh, it's a big one. Um, they've been hyping this up like crazy on all the other broadcasts, that's for sure. No, I, I don't have this confirmed, but what I've heard is the winner of this matchup will usurp the other nation. It'll become either England plus the USA or the USA plus England. Uh, we get ownership. We get to colonize the other nation is what I've heard. Whoever wins this matchup, which is you know, disappointing because we're goal underdog here. Well, don't let Russia hear that because then they'll probably <laughs> try to get in this tournament. Um, Where's our Andre Arshavin when you need him? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, whoever that is. Um, I was, you don't I was know Andre Arshavin? That's, that's that's the different generation. See, I was locked into European soccer in 2012 when Andre Arshavin was the best player in Russia. You came in and you started betting soccer a little bit later. That's why you have no idea who he is. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. You... Yevgeny, Yevgeny Kafelnikov was a pretty good Russian tennis player, but um, there you go. I digress. <laughs> um, so back to uh, what we talk about in this podcast, and that's uh, England against the U.S. Let's um, do it. I'm, you know, I'm not in love with England. I think I've made my thoughts on them pretty, pretty clear. Um, I do wonder um, what this like well, massive well, for... news story about Harry Kane and getting his ankle scan. You were saying. For first-time listeners, why are you more pessimistic than some on the England national team? Uh, I feel like they are just really a, a nation that that thinks that they deserve the World Cup every year um, because they started the sport or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly the place where, um, based on an efficient market hypothesis, it's where the most money is spent on talent, so it should be the best and is called the Premier League, which to me is a little bit... <laughs> um, uh, I guess over uh, overconfident in my. It's kind of like the World Series. We call the American Championship the World Series. It's similar. Yeah, um, you know, I guess, I guess that's possible. Though there's not a lot of there's one Canadian team, so I guess maybe that makes them <laughs> feel extra international in Major League Baseball. But um, anywho, so England, I just think has a lot of players that are decent, but I think they're overrated, overpriced, overvalued. Um, and you see that when they go across Europe and they have these huge spending budgets that uh, a lot of times struggle with with smaller minnows from other countries. Anyway, um, the English national team, I think, is really talented, despite what I just said. But their manager doesn't believe that he's very conservative. And I don't think that's the right way to play when you have the best team on the pitch in almost every matchup that you have. Um as for the U.S., you kind of spoke to kind of pessimism about the team. I think that's based on expectations and the kind of American idea that we should win everything we play because we're a large country. Uh, I think we still have a long way to go before we reach the expectations that having players at Chelsea and Borussia Dortmund and, and other teams across the, 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 I guess, European soccer that we would expect means our team's great, but a lot of them are bit players that barely get on the pitch. So, um I do think that that I mean England's manager Gareth Southgate did mention uh, the U.S. and their pressing style, and that tells me that he's a little concerned about it because they were just finishing a match, and we're already talking about the next one. It's something that that team does. Um, I think that's how the U.S. is going to try to create offense in this one because I just never 
truly believe that the U.S. can pass the ball across midfield uh, and then eventually find a goal. Come, I mean, they did a, a great, great play to Timothy Weah to score that first goal against Wales and then uh, seemed like kind of a fluke and and kind of maybe it was because it never happened again for the rest of the game, um, despite Wales really pushing forward and being more aggressive and leaving themselves a lot more open. Um I don't, so in terms of, I guess, how I expect this match to go, um, it really depends when England score and if the U.S., of course, score first. As you say, goals change games. Um, but I feel like the longer this takes, I feel like the the U.S. pressure um, could do some damage to England, especially because on this line, they can lose 1-0 and you still return all your money. Um, I don't really believe a lot in the offenses in this one, and I feel like um, though they have some power, some ability, I feel like these these two teams might cancel each other out a little bit. And it's kind of rare to see the U.S. as this big of an underdog. I feel like uh, I don't have historical lines in front of me, but I feel like the U.S. is usually pretty close to its competition. Maybe not Belgium a few years ago um, in the knockouts. But um, so I guess I lean despite, I guess, my my feelings in the U.S. coming into this. I think they're a team that I like to back as an underdog and I look to, to go against as a favorite. So if anything, I think USA plus one is worth a look. And I also like that under two and a half or even under two and three quarters. There, like you mentioned, there was some scare about Harry Kane. He had an ankle injury in their first match. Apparently he's had that ankle scanned. And according to Air, uh, England manager Southgate, Harry's fine. He worked out separately. He's all good for Friday night. Southgate tells, tells BBC, we shall see. He's definitely... Um, you know, the talisman for England, the guy that you expect to get a goal. And and, and before we move on, let me yeah. just say that if Harry Kane is not in the England lineup, that does change things quite a bit. He's the penalty taker. He's uh, kind of what he does for Tottenham as well. He seems to be a creator that really releases the uh, the wings that, that usually England play with in a 4-3-3 type of system. So, if he's not there, that's a major downgrade to the English offense. So I'm I'm going to have my eyes peeled looking for uh, that lineup tomorrow. All right. A lot of people are going to watch England-USA, especially whether you're in England or the USA. This is the biggest game of the World Cup so far. So, Griffin, let me put a gun to your head. One bet, if you have to bet this game, and you have to bet this game because it's USA-England, what is the one bet you would advise people to hop on? Ooh, uh, it's either the USA plus one or under two and a half or two and three quarters, I guess, is probably the more accurate uh, market line at the moment. Uh, you can get two and three of... quarters for minus one twelve right now on bet online. So even. Yeah. Money. Yeah. Um, I think I like that a little bit more strongly than I like the US plus one. So I'll go under two and three quarters. There you have it. USA, England. Under two and three quarters is our best bet for that marquee matchup. We'll get into best bets for the whole, you know, best, best bets for the whole uh, group two, group match day two coming up. But first, we got a couple more games here. Moving on to Saturday's action, Australia versus Tunisia. Tunisia is the favorite, about a quarter goal. What do you make of this matchup? Um, I mean, two teams that weren't expected to do much in this group. Tunisia got a pretty good result. Um, with a goalless draw against Denmark, um, much to my chagrin, unfortunately. But I think the Danes were really close to taking a lead, had a goal in the back of the net, I think ruled out due to offside. But uh, ultimately, Tunisia, I think, um, are a decent side that looked better than I think a lot of people expected and, and really kept a Danish side quiet that a lot of people didn't see coming. Um, with that said, 
Uh, Australia, on the other hand, uh, took a one nil lead against France, who just didn't really seem to, to wake up initially uh, and lost one of their defenders on a play to a torn ACL. So that was brutal. Sorry to uh, Lucas Hernandez, I think it was. Um, but uh, these teams were, were aligned pretty similarly coming into um, play. Uh, Australia was actually a slight favorite, but an Australia goes out there, loses to uh, to to France, which is no real demerit. They were a big underdog, and then Tunisia draw uh, Denmark, and now they're the flip to the favorite. So to me, I think there's some value on Australia. I don't really see these two teams being that different, though. Um, I feel like under two and a quarter is worth a look because Australia is going to play defensively, and I don't know that Tunisia have many goals in them. Um, but so I guess I lean to Australia in that quarter and under two and a quarter. All right, moving on here to the second game Saturday, Poland. About a three-quarters favorite over Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia were 22 to 1 you could get them to beat Argentina. I'm not sure how many people bet that because it seemed that far-fetched. They're about 4 to 1, plus 420 to beat Poland. What do you make of this matchup? Can Saudi Arabia do the impossible yet again? 420, you know, nice. There you um, go. I, uh, man, I don't know. I mean, this is a big, big test. If if you follow sports and, and are on the pregame network, you probably have heard about lookheads and letdown factors. I yep. mean, they made it a, a public holiday in Saudi Arabia after they beat um, Argentina. I mean, shockingly, from a one nil deficit off a of Louis uh, off of a Lionel Messi uh, penalty really early in the match. I mean, uh, I didn't wake up for the game and figured, okay, when I saw that penalty going, I was like, how the heck did I'd already known the result. I was like, how the heck did Argentina lose this matchup? Well, um, Saudi Arabia had a couple good, or just really had one good stretch, and they got two goals and then defended yep. like crazy, had a couple clearances off the line. Um, that's what it takes to pull out a big upset. But now they go to Poland, or they face Poland in Qatar, and ultimately um, I don't think they're allowed to to bring bone saws onto the pitch, so Robert Lewandowski is <laughs> a little bit safer than, than journalists um, in opposing or in Turkish embassies, but um, from, from where I sit with this one, I mean, I didn't feel very good. I don't know about you about Poland's offense against Mexico. Um, Robert Lewandowski, not yet scoring in the, in the world cup and, and getting a penalty saved by Memo Ochoa was pretty, pretty wild. Um, it was really... a pretty good save. It was like, it, it wasn't a terrible shot. I'll, I'll give Lewandowski that much credit. Ochoa has had some big world cup moments before and he, he did it yet again yes. against Poland. Yeah, he has. Um, I don't really think that my opinion on Saudi Arabia has changed. Um, they, and honestly, the line really didn't budge too much despite that historic result. Um, I think it makes me like Poland a little bit more here. Uh, and I don't know, I, I didn't come into this tournament really want to have anything to do with Saudi Arabia. I don't think the upset victory against Argentina will really do much to change that. I mean, I'll be very impressed if they somehow get out of this group or something like that. I mean, they did the ultimate to, to get them in a position to do that so far. Um, but I think Poland are licking their chops, especially at the Saudi team that probably be a little bit um, into themselves, probably been staring at themselves quite a bit in the mirrors of Qatar uh, <laughs> over the past couple of days. I don't think that's a great way to then go in, in against a team. I think it's a little bit underrated. Uh, Piotr Zierlinski has been so good for Poland, uh, really for Napoli this season. And I think he and Lewandowski are going to run wild through Saudi Arabia. So I don't like that three quarters. And honestly, it's probably surprising to the people that I don't like under here as, as much really either. I kind of like Poland here. I kind of agree with what you're saying as far as 
there's a reason the market didn't really react to Saudi Arabia beating Argentina because they didn't outplay Argentina. They played him well. They played him good enough to get, maybe get a nil-nil draw. And they had two goals. You know, that will be remembered in their nation's history forever, but not something that you can repeat, especially the second goal. I mean, I don't know how much do they drink in Saudi Arabia, but Salam. Probably, Ad- don't. probably, probably not don't. much. Alda Wasari will never pay for hashish or a cigarette or anything ever again in Saudi Arabia because he scored a wonder goal to beat a World Cup power. That changes uh, fandom in Saudi Arabia, you know, football uh, hooliganism in Saudi Arabia. It doesn't change my opinion about the Saudi Arabian team too much. So Poland minus a three-quarters goal, to me, uh, looks pretty attractive, especially because Poland outplayed Mexico. I know they were both power rated about the same coming into the group, both you know about the same odds to win it, and they ended up drawing 0-0, but Poland had all the best chances in that game. And the market might not respond to that, but I think it's something worth noting. So I'm looking at Poland for that. And we have our best bets coming on later in the show. So maybe you'll hear me talk about them a little bit more. France, we'll move on to the next game on Saturday. Also three quarters goals against your pick to win the group, Denmark. Well, they didn't beat Tunisia. They only got a draw. They will have to pull off the upset. If they're going to win this group, you would think. Can they do it? That's the question. France, without some of their best players, no Conte, no Benzema, no Pogba. Does Denmark have a chance here to pull the upset? What do you think? Well, if I'm, uh, I would not recommend going behind the Danes uh, like France did in the ninth minute to Craig Goodwin, whoever that is, scoring <laughs> for Australia. Um, I don't know that they're going to have another ACL injury that leaves a guy kind of on his own and then across the box and all of a sudden they're down one nil. That's probably a freak accident. Maybe we shouldn't downgrade them too much for that. But um, I I do think the Danes are going to have a little bit different of a setup here because they're not going to be facing a French team that's putting 10 men behind the ball and all stuck in their own half. Now, it wasn't that simple. I got to say, rooting pretty heavily for Denmark. I was a little concerned in what I saw. Um, they didn't have as many chances as I was expecting, especially for a team that was favored pretty highly, though. Ultimately, if you looked at the line on that one, it seemed like it was coming in uh, really from a lot of Tunisia money that was coming in that, that kind of kept knocking it down. Um, at one point below that one goal threshold to three quarters came eventually back and closed at one uh, from what I was looking. But um, that kind of told me the market wasn't really in love or maybe was backing Tunisia there. Uh, and maybe that makes sense based on the big flip in the line against the Australian uh, match. But anyway, uh, for this one, Denmark have beaten France twice in the last six months. Um, they are not scared of this team whatsoever. I think France is a lot weaker than it was entering into the tournament with Benzema pulling out and Nkunku not being there. Um, and now without uh, Lucas Hernandez as well. I mean, that's that's a loss too. Um, I think the Danes, though, are going to have to prove uh, a lot in this matchup. Um, I, As you said, I think they got to win this, this match now to win the group. It's something that I think they can certainly do, uh, but it's still a little bit scary that they have to do that essentially because I think France will see a draw and they're pretty safe to win the group because uh, they're likely to get a good result against Tunisia. Um, so this might mean that Denmark play a little bit differently. I think they're still focused on advancing in the group and they know that a draw against France is uh, a really good statement for them to make, but they could be in pretty tough shape entering that last day if Tunisia um, get a good result against Australia. Um, So that's a concern. And I think that 
maybe affects the Denmark group future a little bit more than it does the Denmark game plan. Cause I, like I said, I do think a draw is a decent result for the Danes. Um, it makes me, do, it makes me feel like if they're down one nil though, they're probably going to go out a little bit harder, especially cause they'll know the Australia and Tunisia yep. result, which is great going into this game. Um, but I lean to Denmark in that three quarters of a goal because I think they're uh, perfectly capable of beating France. And ultimately, I'd want them to go for it if they're losing one nil, because uh, unfortunately, taking three quarters of a goal, I don't like losing a half. I'd rather them go for an equalizer. Um, and that under two and a quarter looks a little bit uh, less interesting to me uh, at the moment, because unfortunately, or under two, I guess under two and a half, it might be a, a better number at the moment. But um, I, I feel like there's going to be quite a bit of Denmark trying to score here, and that might be them might make them a little bit more open against France. So on Saturday at 5 a.m. Pacific time, Tunisia face Australia. If Tunisia win and they're favored to win, half goal, quarter goal favorite, that tells us a lot about what Denmark needs to do. They're going to need to beat France in that case. However, if Tunisia draws or even loses to Australia. I feel like that takes a lot of pressure off Denmark and a draw becomes a good result. So something to keep in mind, about six hours before France-Denmark tip-off, Tunisia-Australia tip-off, Denmark, and I think betters of Denmark should be very interested in that result and what it tells us about France and Denmark. Last game here on Saturday, before we get into some best bets, we talked about these teams a minute ago. Argentina, still favored to win the group, but just barely. They're plus 150 to win the group. Argentina is, and Poland and Mexico, both about three to one. But Argentina is favored to win this game, about minus 175 on the three-way line, about minus one goal on the two-way line. Over Mexico, what do you make of this matchup? Any leans, likes in this one? Um, You know, I guess I'm a little bit curious from your point of view. Um, how, do you, how do you see Argentina uh, responding to that embarrassing loss? I mean, I don't think motivation is is necessarily a question. I feel like they're going to feel that they can win it and they need to win this game. However, tactically, the guys they had out there, what they were trying to do, I feel like it rose more questions than it had answers about who's going to play and how they're going to set up their team. I mean, I feel like Argentina could set up their team and never give up a goal, but when they have to win these games and they have to beat Mexico, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not I'm not as confident. So I uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm a skeptic, but I thought Saudi, I don't think it was a fluke that Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia. I thought there was some real problems exposed. What'd you make of it? Well, I don't love their, their defense. I'll say, um, I, I don't know that I necessarily see that being a problem here. So Mexico have, have trouble scoring goals. I think we saw that against Poland. Um, it was honestly on display for a lot of CONCACAF as well. But this is a different scenario where Argentina is going to be very, very prideful. They're going for a victory because they probably know they need a result by the time this match is happening as well, which unfortunately you can't play all the matches at the same time. But there's inherent benefits to playing last and being one of the biggest nations because you get the good time slot at night that tries to hit the U.S. market as much as possible uh, or the other big, uh, I guess, Western parts of the world time zones. Um, anyway, but Argentina one goal favorite, um, that does to me give a lot of safety in Mexico, uh, to lose by that single goal, because I think Mexico have shown that they're pretty good at possessing the ball. Um, they don't do a lot with that possession, but I feel like that might leave Argentina in a weird spot where they're not controlling the ball the whole match. And they're not able to really create as much or tire you as much because Mexico are doing the same back to them. 
Uh, I feel like Mexico as a big underdog like this, um, you don't see that in CONCACAF really anywhere. Um, and as a one goal underdog where you lose by a single goal and you push, I feel like that's something that I really want to take advantage of no matter the anger or um, motivation that Argentina have. I feel like it's the world cup. It's really hard to, I mean, fill that coffee cup over uh, right. with motivation, you know? Um, and it might be that, that Mexico under two and a half might be a little bit more interesting, the total for the entire match. Um, just because uh, I don't see a lot of goals here. I think there's going to be a pretty big stalemate. Um, my concern a little bit with that is if Argentina aren't getting the result they need, they're going to be throwing everything forward, um, which does concern any sort of underlean, especially with a really good goal scoring side. Um, but I think that almost favors Mexico even more because they might get some open field that they might not normally get if Argentina had gotten a better result in their opener. You mentioned it. It is all about the TV money. USA England put at two o'clock on Friday Pacific time. So everybody can wake up and see it. Same thing with Argentina, Mexico, probably for very similar reasons. It is a business after all. And even in my case, it is a business after all. Even after Thanksgiving, I still have motivation to save you guys a little bit of money on pregame.com. Coupon code GOBBLE. Probably eating some turkey, some leftover turkey sandwiches as I speak. That is the same spirit you can eat for free on pregame.com. Use that promo code GOBBLE, G-O-B-B-L-E. You get $25 off anything on the website, and that includes things that cost $25 or less. So if you've never had a best bet winner on pregame.com, you want to feel how that feels, you want to get ahead of the move, well, go on pregame.com before Monday the 28th, use the promo code GOBBLE and get $25 off anything or if you've been around pregame.com you like what you see you like how it tastes you want a little bit more then get a subscription use the promo code gobble gobble type in gobble type in gobble again and get $40 off any subscription on the website seven days or longer with that out of the way let's get into some best bets griffin you won i did not uh or you pushed actually but i lost my best bet so let's make some money real quick. Let's get it back. What do you have for the people out of these eight games on match day two of the World Cup? What is your best bet? I'm going Australia, Tunisia, under two and a quarter. Um, as I said, I think the money kind of changed hands quite a bit here based on the results in the first one. I don't necessarily believe that Tunisia is that much better from a goalless draw than Australia. And I think Australia, um, despite taking a pretty heavy loss, I think they'll see... I mean, both these teams will see this match as a game that they need to win, but I think that only makes the stalemate even greater. Uh, and, and ultimately, I just don't know that I've seen enough from the Tunisia offense to believe that they're going to um, use the extra possession that I think they'll have in this one. I think Australia will play defensively, um, but with the idea that they will potentially be able to counterattack late to win a match and kind of steal one, I think that's how they see themselves as the lowest ranked team in the group ultimately. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see how this match gets to three, um, despite what we saw in that Portugal match you mentioned today, where all the goals came in the last like 20 minutes and it seemed like there were five of them, which was insane. Uh, but I think this one's going to be pretty quiet throughout, not a lot of attacking talent for either of these teams, especially not on an international level. So I'll go under two and a quarter in Tunisia and Australia. Griffin's going with under two and a quarter goals in Tunisia, Australia for his best bet. I'm also going to draw off that. Australia-France game for my best bet. I'm going to go with Denmark. I know it was your 
pick to win the group. I'm not sure if they win the group. I'm not sure, or I'm more confident, however, that they're not going to lose this game. And it has a lot to do with France. I think like France got rewarded for all the bad habits against Australia who had a, a toothless attack. They were never pressured. France wasn't against Australia. So the fact that Mbappe was pretty careless with the ball from time to time. The fact that Griezmann took some speculative shots from 30 yards out, they weren't really punished for it. In fact, they were rewarded because they ended up putting four on the board against Australia. We've talked about it before, or I have defending champions historically have done very poorly in the group stage. I feel like that was kind of ignored because Australia was so bad where you didn't really see that rust or that uh, lack of dynamism from the French team. I feel like that all shows up here. Draw gives me a full win. Even if I lose by a goal, it's a, it's a half loss. So Denmark plus three quarters goal will be my best bet. Uh, before we get, get out of here, you are the soccer guru. I will, uh, I will defer to your opinion in almost every situation. What do you make of this best bet? What do you think about Denmark catching almost a goal at France? First France. I mean, it's hard for me to say anything about it because I'm rooting hard for it. I have a lot of uh, <laughs> your pocket interest in Denmark. I, I don't think that um, struggling to to head in the ball from an with an open net in front of you. Um, I, I'm not downgrading my opinions on Denmark for it. It's just going to be a nicer story when they beat France than when their last match uh, against Australia to take the group. Exactly. I'm not uh, downgrading Denmark for their draw, and I'm not upgrading France for beating a pretty listless Australia team um, you know, in the second half, running away with it. So that'll be my best bet. I'm going with Denmark, my man Griffin, going with Tunisia, Australia, under the total. And that'll do it for this World Cup edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Check us out early next week for the second half of World Cup Match Day 2.